0: I mean, you can't really be confident if you're never in the gym, you're never working out. Like me personally, I'm in the gym all the time. So like stuff that I'm doing in the games, like I do that all the time in practice. So I have confidence, like I do this in practice. Like it's just like practice, like it's nothing different. So it definitely comes with wanting to work hard. Cause you can not You can be confident as one, but if you don't have the skills and you don't work at it, then that really doesn't matter.
1: Welcome to the Inside Game with your host, Dr.
0: Julie Amato.
1: Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Inside Game podcast. I'm Julie Amato. I'm a clinical and sports psychologist, and I work with college and professional athletes on their mental wellness and mindset. So the goal of this podcast is to learn about how great athletes develop their inside game. So essentially, how do they mentally prepare, handle setbacks, make sense of their life experiences? This week's conversation is with Arike Agumbowale. Arike's basketball resume is flat-out impressive. She hit buzzer beaters in back-to-back games, in case you didn't know, um, during the 2018 Final Four, which resulted in a national championship for Notre Dame, and made her essentially a celebrity overnight. She then went on the Ellen DeGeneres Show with a visit from Kobe Bryant, who's her idol. Uh, she was a contestant on Dancing with the Stars, so Arike's done some really fun things. She finished her college career as an All-American and the all-time leading scorer in school history. Arike was drafted fifth overall by the Dallas Wings in 2019 and made the all-rookie team during that first season. She just finished her second season in the WNBA, where she led the league in scoring at 22 points a game and also made first-team All-WNBA. So, again, super impressive. This conversation with Arike was really fun. She's so smart and funny and genuine, and she shares some great insights on how she works on developing confidence and overcoming setbacks, and just keeps like a really healthy perspective. Arike also tells us who she would pick as her two-on-two partner, and who gets her vote for most swagger in the WNBA, next to her, of course. So let's dive right into this conversation with Arike Agumbawale. Arike, How's it going? Pretty good. How about you? Oh, doing great. Doing great. We both have like these huge smiles. I know. No <laughs> can <we'll laughs> see <you>. that. <laughs> I, know. I know. It's really fun to see you and uh, connect with you. And, and I feel like first things first, just congrats. Congrats on your second season, scoring leader, which is not too shabby at, I think you're at right, about 22 points a game. Mm-hmm. And first team All-WNBA.
0: Thank you. It was, a, it was a pretty good year from last year. Obviously, it was my first year last year, but it was definitely a a good big step. Yeah, I don't know that there's much more you could have done, to tell you the truth. Yeah. Maybe make the
1: playoffs. <laughs> okay, all right. That's fair. My son asked me the other day, Arike, can you dunk? I said, is like 5'8". Yeah, no. He's like, so can she dunk? Barely <laughs> can even touch the
0: rim. I don't even know if
1: I can, actually, I can't. Yeah. <laughs> It's, it's a little bit of
0: an irrelevant skill for you. You don't really need that. (laughs) Facts. And I'm actually really short. Like people say I look taller on TV. No, I'm actually really short. I stood next to you. You are not tall. I'm not tall.
1: No. And I'm five seven. And I feel like potentially we were maybe the same size. You might've had me just by a little bit. (laughs) Maybe I need to go look at that picture. (laughs) I, I actually, um, another thing I, I was thinking about the story of having met you for the first time and, what really stood out for me is how comfortable you were with like with yourself, but just even just your social intelligence is so high. And I, I don't know if that's something people know about you. I feel like that's like a little bit of an underrated <laughs> skill. I mean, everyone knows about the confidence of swagger, but your social intelligence, your, your emotional IQ is really high and it's like leaps off the page right away.
0: Well, I appreciate that. Didn't yeah. know the thing, but you're, you're the doc. know. So I- I'm
1: just saying you, you, you relate easily with people. You're easy to talk to.
0: Yeah.
1: You get that? Like, do people tell you that?
0: Yeah. Like, and especially with me, like I, I like whenever I'm somewhere, like if it's people that don't know each other that I personally know, like, I don't like anybody to feel uncomfortable. So that's something I try to do. Like I'll break the ice before people even feel like there's ice to be broken so that everybody feels comfortable in the situation.
1: That is so Midwestern
0: of you. (laughs) no yeah that's so true it really is (laughs) I thought to myself I was like she's
1: so gracious and mature and like I just feel like you've got it all going on
0: oh well (laughs) (laughs) I appreciate that. We both know that's not true, but I appreciate that. <laughs> you
1: know, You're just cool. I'm just going to say, I mean, you really are. You have like these Gucci slides on, these, these Nike um, shorts that had like, I don't know if they had like palm trees or palm leaves on them or something. But I was like, this, this kid is just like supremely cool. <laughs> okay. So we use the first part of the podcast to talk about how cool you are, but let's switch gears for a moment um so Rika, you've had an incredible journey for a 23 year old and i really want to dive into that a bit Um, but let's start with how you grew up so you were a little kid in milwaukee growing up with two older brothers and as a young athlete you played soccer and track and then focused more on basketball during your high school years can you talk a little bit about your high school into college part of your life high school
0: to like junior year of high school to college cuz that's junior year i started playing uh, EYBL so that's when you play against like the AAU teams in all other states and like really i only was playing in tournaments in wisconsin up until junior year of high school so like when i went to i went to my first USA tryout i think that was after my sophomore year so going into my junior year of high school like all these good girls, basketball players I've never heard of, like ranked, all this stuff. I'm like, I've never heard of any of those people in Wisconsin. Like, and I made that team too, which was crazy. That was like my first time, you know, they all knew each other because they all played in the Nike circuit. Like I wasn't in the Nike circuit. So I was like, there's actually really a lot of good good girls, basketball players out here. Yeah, it was crazy. I met my best friend there too. Like I I was on a visit before with Purdue or something. She was telling me like, she was like, yeah, I met my best friend at USA tryouts. I was like, oh, that's nice. Like, that's a nice story. But like, I met Christine and Dejanette. Literally, that was when we were 16 and now we're 23 and we're still best friends talk every day just because of that tryout, like. Wow, that's really cool. I didn't realize that
1: about you that you had just sort of, you know, been playing in Wisconsin and you didn't didn't really, I
0: I don't want to say you were a late bloomer, Mm. but would you say that you were a late bloomer? I would say, no, I just didn't really get like, Like, I had obviously visits, like I had every offer in the Midwest, like DePaul, like Wisconsin, Marquette, I had like all those schools, Indiana, all those Michigans, all those schools, and like, I think after that though, like, I didn't start getting more looks to other people until like the Nike circuit, then right after that, like I got like, really every offer, like UConn, Notre Dame, like all those schools, but like before I was just in Wisconsin, so like, they would see me, yeah, but like I wasn't really out there until I went to like USA Trials and Nike. It was like balling out there. They're like, "Oh, who's this?" <laughs> like, yeah. Whoa. So, what was that like
1: for you, being around all those great players, and then having all these like really important life
0: decisions to make? How did you How did you land on Notre Dame? Um, well, I had some other good schools in my top five. I think it was DePaul, um, maybe Wisconsin. I know Louisville, UCLA. And like, I love my, or in Ohio State, actually. So I love my Ohio State and UCLA visit, but like, and I really, I always tell sorry, I didn't really have that much fun on my Notre Dame visit. Like, I had fun on all my other visits. Like, it was like, I was like, hmm. But uh, yeah, so I like had those visits and stuff, but like, my parents, they're both in education. So like, education was really important to them. Like, my dad was a principal and my mom's a teacher, my dad was a principal, but uh, so that was big to them. And then like, I've always been in Christian schools. Like I went to a Lutheran grade school, then I went to a Catholic high school and they, they that was important to us too. So like, and plus they, they wanted to be at every game. Like we went to the UCLA visit. It was nice, but I know in their head that like, this is far, Like, yeah. <laughs> it was far for me too, to be honest, but so like Notre Dame, perfect, only three, and a half hour drive. Like they were able to come to every single game you know, I was able to go home when I wanted to, you know, so it was a perfect, and then the school, obviously, top five in education, top five in sports, like, it's not a lot of schools like that other than, like, Stanford and other schools like that are competitive in the basketball world, so, like, that's a perfect choice for me, too. Yeah, that,
1: and when you put it that way, it's kind of a no-brainer when you think about it, It it's a great
0: fit for you, but
1: so, so would you say after that, then, I mean that's something I wanted to dive into, just your Notre Dame career. Obviously anyone who's listening to this I'm guessing knows some of the highs of that Um, but you know I know too going to college and making that transition is not always a picnic like Mm -hmm. what was that like for you?
0: Yeah I mean it was it was different especially on the basketball side. Education wise my high school was really tough anyway so I was pretty prepared for that and plus with student athletes we get you know all the help we need so that was good for me transition wise so like basketball wise obviously like you have to start over you go from being a senior in high school like everybody you know looking to you to tell them what to do to you having to work for your spot and like having to you know start start over again basically and like especially for me like being the top player in the nation like ranked five or the top ten you know out of all high schoolers and then having to come in and like never came off the bench before in my life like started every every game with every team like that was a no-brainer like i was coming off the bench didn't play that much like some games won't play a whole quarter like it was something totally new to me and like obviously when you're young you're like you're trying to blame somebody else like well if I'm not playing, like, I was just an All-American in high school. Like, did you see that, Coach? Like, I don't know why I'm not on the court. <laughs> now, did you see my highlights before this? But it's like, so you're looking at the coach, like, what are you doing, basically? And, like, that's tough to, like, especially being 18, like, that's tough to actually be like, okay, well, she's been here for 20-something years. I think she knows, you know, what she needs on the court. And, like, actually having to realize that took a while. Like, I had a lot of talks with Neil because when she was assistant coach, like, we talked a lot. Like, I, she knew I wasn't happy. Like, obviously, everybody wants to be playing. But, like, it was an issue for me because I, I thought I should be out there. But, like, I mean, now, obviously, I know, like, coach knows best and what she was doing. Like, when I look back to how I was that, that year, like, I wasn't ready knowing how I am now. Like, she needed to do what she needed to do. Like, even if athletically I was better than, you know, some of the seniors on the team, like, they've been around. I still would make, you know – not rookie mistakes but freshman mistakes whatever and like there's still stuff i needed to know and learn like that i didn't know so like like after i was able to change my mindset from like it's her fault like i don't even know why i chose this school i could be averaging like i could have been averaging like 30 or something at another school but meanwhile i'm sitting on the bench here like i'm looking at other people i'm better than or that i was better than in high school or whatever like scoring these points at these little schools i'm like i'm sitting here like not even though I had a pretty good year for a freshman but it was still like not what I wanted and especially coming off the bench like so I had to you know after that and go go back home and like look at myself I I lost weight like I had my mom cook a whole bunch of healthy food that summer before summer camp again like I started training with my trainer like we went like every day we we went twice a day a lot that summer like we were in the gym all the time like I changed a lot of stuff like about myself and my game so that I was able to like come back sophomore year stronger all that type of stuff
1: yeah wow i mean i think you're speaking probably to a lot of people who make that transition from high school into college ball And you know obviously you were mcdonald's all-american top five player not everybody's that but they were probably one of the best players on their team if they made it to the collegiate level and so how did you not
0: allow that to undermine your confidence or did it take a hit on your
1: was that a big ego blow for you
0: oh it definitely was like my freshman year even when i got in the game i wasn't playing like myself like i i knew myself i was i was out there like i always remember like uh uh, we were playing uconn at uconn my freshman year like and i got a pass to me in the corner and like gino was back there and he's always talking on the bench and he was telling his defender like let her shoot that like give her space and i'm sitting there like shit let her shoot it i'm like do i shoot it and i don't remember if i missed it or made it but like now if some well first of all they won't say that to me now. Like they're gonna get their hand up. Nobody's gonna say let her shoot it. But right. still, like even if somebody did say that, I'm taking that as like, okay, you're gonna let me shoot this, like I'm gonna shoot that. But like and even if before that, if that would have been said, I would have shot the shot regardless. But like I knew there was like my confidence was going down because like I literally thought about it. I was like, Okay, well, maybe I'm not that gonna shoot, like maybe I shouldn't shoot it like that, which I really wasn't. So he wasn't wrong. But <laughs> and still like I would have shot it anyway. But <laughs> at that point, like that, you know, that I could tell. And then like, no, it'll be times I go in the game and I'm just not playing like myself at all, being hesitant, like not shooting shots or doing stuff that I don't usually do. And like, that was obvious. So like, I could tell too, like, that's not how I usually play. So yeah, my confidence definitely got low my freshman year.
1: Yeah, I mean, when that seed of doubt gets planted for an athlete, I think it can really impact performance and you become hesitant and you second guess and you overthink and you do all those things. I just wasn't sure that that has ever happened to you
0: because you yep. come
1: across in such a confident, self-assured way. In fact, I think that's pretty much what you're known for, Arike, is being the one who really could care less, you know, what anyone's gonna say to you. And so, so many athletes I work with wonder about like confidence and how do I get confidence? Like, what would be your answer to that? Do you, How
0: does one get confidence? What do you think? I mean, you just have to really build it on your own like I think it doesn't really come from anybody else but you like obviously people can tell you you're good people can tell you you're the best do all that but like you have to actually believe that and believe that you know if you get in a situation that knowing yourself having the confidence yourself that you can you know overcome it and be good at it like so it definitely comes from within but like obviously there's always you have to be trusted by your coach as well because you can't be like in situation. you if you're not in situations it's hard to tell but like it, it's more about the background because even if you don't play any minutes and you're put in that minute, like you have to be out there confident and show what you have to do, regardless if it's 20, 30 minutes, or two minutes. Like you have to be able to be confident in yourself. So that definitely just comes from per, like perfecting your craft. So, like, I mean, you can't really be confident if you're never in the gym, you're never working out. Like, me personally, I'm in the gym all the time. So, like, stuff that I'm doing in the games, like, I do that all the time in practice. So I have confidence. Like, I do this in practice. like it's just like practice, like it's nothing different. So it definitely comes with wanting to work hard because you can not You can be confident as one, but if you don't have the skills and you don't work at it, then that really doesn't matter.
1: Yeah, I love that. That is the stuff right there because I, you're totally right. I mean, you can tell yourself you're the best, but if you don't have the, the work to back it up and you didn't put in those hours in the gym, you're telling yourself a lie is what you're doing. I I actually, you're one of the most fun people to follow on Instagram, Arike, because you post these videos leading into the WNBA season of you just absolutely like blowing past grown men. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And just like crossing them over and pulling up and these off balance shots and all this stuff. And the coolest thing is then tuning into a Dallas Wings game and then watching you do the exact same Mm -hmm. thing Um, that I've been watching you do all leading up to the season. How did you get to this place where you just got this really rich understanding of, like, I actually need to just put in the work and get real specific and and kind of work on these things that I want to replicate in a game? Like, where does that come from for you?
0: Probably after my freshman year, like, I didn't really have a trainer and, like, be as dedicated to it as I was after that. But I, like, even if that's how it is and, like, if I would have figured that out earlier, like, I still wouldn't change how it was because I think like nowadays people in like eighth grade, seventh grade with trainers, like I didn't take it. Like, obviously I take it serious, but I still had fun with it until like really, I guess I had to, like once you figure out this is what you're going to actually be doing, like going to college and stuff, like I started to focus more. And I'm not saying having trainers and stuff young is good, but like I didn't take it that serious to where it was a job because it's going to become a job one day if you want it to be like, but it's good to, still have fun with it. So I definitely like, it was after, you know, my freshman year, but I like, I think the timing was right. Cause that's when I had more time to like dedicate to that. That's what I'm actually doing in school. Like that's what's going on. So yeah, after my freshman year, that's when I started to, you know, say this is what I'm going to do. Like this is how I was going to start training and stuff. Um, I actually was reading an article with a quote from your
1: coach, your former coach Muffet. And the quote is, um, I love her swagger. I wish more women would have it. And I don't know if you remember her saying that, but yeah. I happen to totally agree. Yeah. Um, it's kind of funny to hear her say that. But like, if anyone could see your face right now, you totally cracked up I and mean, it's funny. It's funny to think of her saying that, but I also saw you over the summer interviewed, I want to say it was like Richard Jefferson or somebody on ESPN. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm blank on who exactly it was.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Is that who it was? Mm-hmm. And he asked you something. I don't know if you're going to remember this move, but it was like on Instagram live. And he was, he was asking you who you thought might be MVP for the year. Do you remember that? And you were basically like, besides me, right?
0: I said, it's not myself. (laughs) (laughs) You're
1: Like, well, if it's not me first, and I thought to myself, like, yes, like that is the absolute correct response. And so, you know, I, I think about you and I marvel at that. And I agree with Muffet wholeheartedly look like, I wish more women had this swagger and like, I happen to know, I mean, I don't know, you can tell me, but I don't think the doctor like literally handed you over to your parents and said like, here, look at this one here. She has a lot of swagger. Like, (laughs) how did you like cultivate that belief in yourself? And, and you know, I know you mentioned about having like the bigger brothers. I know you got that tight relationship there, but like, I imagine that comes from testing yourself in, in kind of rugged environments, but like, where does, where the heck does that swagger come from? Like, tell us,
0: share. Yeah. Like, obviously, you know, you have to have the skills to be able to back it up. So like, you know, that's God given, like I'm blessed with that, but also like just being able to put myself in those situations and like where I'm from in Milwaukee, like there are places, like, even where I was working out this summer, like it was kind of in the hood. Like, so like any, any of those courses and stuff like that, like, if you go there, like you have to be able to know what you're doing or like, they don't care. Like, they'll try to embarrass you, or they'll, like, they'll let you know that you, you're you not supposed to be be here. So, like, you know, anytime I play like that, I t- you know, I, I try to be the best I can be on the court, or the best on the court, because, like, in situations like that, when I do well, like, that builds confidence, too, because they'll tell you if you're bad, or they they won't want to pick you up, or do something like that. Like, they don't want, won't want you on your team if you're not doing what you have to do. So, like, that definitely, like, growing up like that, and being treated like that, and then with my big brothers, like, I had to earn everything with them. It wasn't given. So like, I would work hard for my wins and like, I had to get better or I, or I wasn't going to win because they weren't going to take it easy on me. So like, when I finally started beating them too, as I got a little older, like that builds confidence too. So definitely how I was raised is a, is a big, is a big part of that.
1: Yeah, I I, what I take from that is like always try to find better competition, like people who are faster, stronger, you know, and and that's the only way to improve. Right. And is to, is to find those games and those settings. Um, I know you have like this reputation, I think for having like the ice in your veins and, and not being afraid of the big shot. Like, is that internally what it feels like for you? Cause from the outside looking in, it's like, even commentators watching some of your games this year you're like oh like this is a time when Enrique is going to take over you know and everyone, everyone sort of like predicts it and then it like unfolds and surely everybody sees this coming right so like I know how you trust yourself in those moments to take those shots how do you get to a place where you
0: deal with when the shot doesn't go in yeah like so I had to deal with that my sophomore year like I think that was a I mean, I don't think it was the first time that it's happened like I'm sure in high school or whatever, like that's at a small scale like it happens, whatever, where I'm a teenager. But like in college like that happened and that was in the Elite eight and we were up that whole game like we could have gone and that was to go to the final four like so that's pretty big like there's only eight teams left. And like I was, we were down one this was against Stanford and I was uh, coach drew up the play for me to like take the last shot and I took it and I missed it. And then that was like the last second. And then they end up winning and going to the final four or whatever, whatever. But like, that's definitely tough. Cause like, you know, you practice for situations like that. Like your team has confidence in you, you have confidence in you, your coach has confidence in you. And then you, you know, you fail at that. That's definitely tough. And like, that can alter, you know, whether you want to put yourself in that position again, because you're like, well, I might not make it or anything like that. So, That definitely is like a tough situation, but you like that's where confidence comes in and trusting yourself. Like, I can miss a million shots and I'm still gonna shoot. Like, I had like what I had like the worst shooting percentage one time my rookie year. I was like two for 23, and I still decided to shoot the last shot. I don't know why, but like, I still shot it. I'm like, you obviously missed 20 something shots, like, but I still shot it, which I really, really, really probably shouldn't have. But like, that's just (laughs) something that happens. So, like, I think that's just me, like, you know, regardless of what happens, I'm going to always, you know, want to put that on my back and, you know, try to help the team however I can. Is that optimism, Arike? Would you just call
1: that optimism? So, so you you brought up a beautiful example. I missed, you know, 21 of 23 shots, but, ah, I just really believe shot number (laughs) 23. Yeah,
0: right. (laughs) Why would shot 23 (laughs)
1: go in? Right. So, so would you say that you're optimistic by nature?
0: I mean, optimism is a word maybe to some people, but to me, it's just like, I believe every shot that I shoot goes in, is going in. Obviously the ones that maybe are not, but like 80%, 90% of my shots, I believe are going in. Like I don't shoot to miss. So it's like, whether it's, it's not going in or not, like I'm going to keep shooting. But I think that also, like, I have to be able to build that over the years. Like, be able to execute to where it's the point that my coaches and team still trust me to get the ball like even if i am missing because like it showed that i can you know i'm able to shoot or i'm able to knock stuff down like but that comes with confidence not wanting to give up shooting and it comes with teammates too like as much as it comes from you like i there's times i'm one of the most confident people in the world i feel like i've been down my teammates would to be like we need you like we trust you, even if you're playing bad, like, we need you right now. Like, you have to lock in. That happens, like, a lot of games, like, because that's what you – I mean, that's why we're not playing golf or something like that. You need your team. You need to be able to work with people. So, as much as like I can say it's me, like, a lot of it's my teammates, too, being able to trust me and keep telling me, like, we need you, whether you're, you're not missing or whether you're not knocking it down. Like, we still want you to shoot. We still need you. So, that definitely builds me when I can't build myself up fully either. That's
1: awesome. That's awesome. I, mean, I could see that too. in some of your, your Notre Dame teams, obviously, but I don't want to like miss this moment. Um, when you just talked about that Stanford thing. Can you put me in your brain, like as Muffet's drawn up the play for you to go and, and now take this shot. That's going to make a break. Like, where's your mind if you, I don't know if you can channel that, but like what are you thinking about? What are you feeling in that moment? Like, do you have that pitter patter in your chest anxiety? Is it just like a totally calm you? Like, you know, walk me through that.
0: Yeah, I mean, I definitely am nervous about it. And I mean, not really nervous about it, but like, it's, you know, it's definitely anxiety. But with this situation, like, Coach said, you have time to either drive it or shoot it. And I think that messed me up a little bit. We talk about that a lot. Like, <laughs> when we fast forward to junior year, she's just be like, we wanted to give it to you in space and so like, do what you got to do like and i'll figure it out but she was like you could either drive or shoot and i was super hesitant but whatever that's still my fault but but with that like those that situation like i think that was my first like big big moment that was my sophomore year like this is going to the final four and like that definitely was like something that was a little nerve-wracking for me at the time just because like it could i mean it could have went either way but uh yeah basically. <laughs> and then it didn't go the way you wanted, like, put me in your brain then. Uh, I mean, it was definitely tough because that could have been, you know, my first time going to the Final Four uh, in college and, like, we were up that game. So it's like, that was your game to have. And then you missed that shot. Like, it's definitely tough to think about. Like, you don't blame yourself, obviously, like, because there's a lot of stuff that leads up to losing the game, not just the last shot. But that's also really tough. And I have to deal with that more than people have. My junior year, making the shot. My senior year, missing the free throw. Like, I've had so many emotions in these 23 years. It's crazy. But yeah, so that was definitely like a big, you know, learning process for me and being able to get over that. And just, you know, you think about it, but you got to get over it and just, you know, next time say you're going to knock it down. Yeah. Well, obviously, that actually
1: came to fruition for you because sophomore year, you didn't knock it down. But you took the shot and you were tasked with taking the shot, which is all about the trust in you and the belief. And then back-to-back games, you execute it. And it's like, like, I honestly can't, I've got some years in you, Enrique. I can't think of anything that compares to that, like literally that back-to-back final four, like, but like, it's like heart-stopping, like, man. Um, It's the stuff of legend and you're 23 years old. I mean, that's so cool. Um, But as you said, like, it's not always, gonna turn out the way that you want it to. And then the next year, it's your senior year and you're in the, you know, a situation where you can tie up a game right at the free throw line. Like this is a situation, you know, obviously I work with a lot of basketball players and teams where you, we're doing that all the time, replicating that in practice. You know, I played basketball too. So I remember like, okay, you know, Julie get to the line, shoot a free throw and everybody's running if you miss. I mean, you try to replicate those high pressure moments. Mm-hmm. Um, knowing, you know, all of the experiences you had leading into that again, like same question, like, are you nervous? Like, and if you are like, how do you, do you, do you think about the shot?
0: Do You try not to think about the shot? Like, how does that go for you? Yeah. I mean, I definitely like, especially with a free throw, like free throws are more like nerve wracking than, like basketball, like just trying to make a I play. I agree. But like that definitely was, that definitely was tough. Like that was definitely, and then there was a timeout, like you obviously are thinking about it. Like this wow. is the biggest free throw of the season really. So that's definitely something you think about, especially with the free throw, but with plays, like you think about it leading up to it. And like, sometimes the team might call timeout or try to make you think about it a little bit more, but it's in your mind for sure. Like you yeah. don't just treat it like it's nothing. And then how do you get over that? Like, so how do you just sort of like
1: execute? Cause I I think quite frankly, like those, those last second shots, I think what happens for you, I'm going to do like a psychological autopsy here. And I don't know if I'm going to be right or wrong. So you can definitely like, you know, body check me if I'm off here, but are you, is it really that you put in all that time like in those end of game situations visualizing it like practicing it and whatever and so when that moment comes do you almost just is it almost just like um an
0: instinct like a reaction yeah i mean like at this point i would feel away if like i didn't or at least didn't have the ball in my hand like at the end of the second yeah. you know shot clock because mm-hmm. like that's what i want to do like that's i feel I wouldn't say I feel comfortable. Obviously it's not comfortable, but I feel confident enough in myself to be put in that position every single time. And that goes with building that up and working out and you know, perfecting your craft to where you feel like you're, you're able to create something because you put in the time you know, all those months to be able to do that. So now this is just you doing the same thing that you've been doing. So I definitely have a lot of confidence in those situations now. Obviously it won't always go my way, but you know, I'm gonna be willing to do that every time. Mhm. I love that. And I I feel like
1: with the benefit of hindsight and maturity, you've kind of gotten to this place where nothing external is going to kind of shatter that belief that you have in yourself and I think even if you wouldn't call it optimism, I definitely would, like seeing those setbacks as temporary and having that short-term memory and looking for the next opportunity. I think that's kind of What you're talking about, like, that's kind of how you've made your mark that way. So I I just wanted to peel back a little bit the layers of now you're a pro athlete, maybe we're moving into that chapter. Um, And there must be so many cool things about that, for sure. And maybe we'll start with that. Like, what are the cool things about that being a pro athlete?
0: I mean, not that you're just doing the same thing that you were doing, but no school and you get paid for it (laughs) that's basically what it is okay that's what i'm pretty much much i can see that and you get to work out when you want like you have more time to actually just focus on this and what you want to do like everything that you do is what you want to do nothing is that you have to do it like Mm -hmm. so and then you get paid for these things like it's just basically what you know what you dreamed of (laughs) yeah
1: no for sure and and i can imagine there, you know, obviously a lot of people think pro athletes have nothing to complain about. Like you're going to pay money to play a no, sport, yeah,
0: but,
1: you know, but the reality is I think too, even, you know, especially someone like yourself in a game, who's become somewhat of a celebrity in terms of, you know, your status. Um, is there like a dark side to that, to being a pro
0: basketball player and being kind of known? Yeah. I mean, obviously not obvious, but on the women's side like we we have to go overseas most of us do like for a while because they pay us like three times four times as much as our WNBA salary I mean you have to be away like when you go overseas you have to be away from your family like your family can't come overseas like I'm going to Russia my family can't go to Russia I was in Turkey last year for months they they were able to visit me like once but that's just what it is and you're mostly isolated like you have your a couple American teammates and then you have the rest of your teammates and like that's fine. Obviously teammates are teammates, but family wise, you don't have anybody out there and that's definitely tough. Like we would love to be home, but obviously we need to make a living for ourselves and our family. So we do what we have to do, but not having them like close to us in contact with us, like when things happen, not having, you know, if anything happened to them, I wouldn't have access to easily get to them. It would have to be after like a day or two of travel. It's definitely tough on that end for sure.
1: Yeah. I imagine loneliness creeps in.
0: Oh yeah, for sure. Like, it's just, it's just you over there, you know, and it's easy to, like, isolate yourself and just go to practice, go back to your apartment, like, not really try to get out and go into the city, because, I mean, you don't have to, like, you're there for a job, you know, you're there to get paid, but it's easy to just isolate yourself and be more lonely than you have to.
1: When you're having those moments where you're just like, damn, like, I'm alone and nobody, you know, that I care about is around me. and you know, I know you and I spoke a little earlier about the loss of Kobe Bryant yeah. and that you you heard that news when you were abroad with, with none of your usual supports in place. Cause you know, obviously I'm a psychologist, so I'm trying to help people, right, right, um, you know, understand like, man, like there are just going to be times where life happens and it's hard. And so I'm just curious to get inside your brain, like how you deal with
0: that. Yeah. Well, like, especially with the Kobe thing, like you know, usually you're with maybe your friends, or your family, or somebody, or even if you were at home by yourself, you could have access to drive to somebody in, like, 10 minutes, like, but, you know, I found out, it was, like, 11 p.m. when I found out, I think it was the daytime in the States, and, like, it was just me in my apartment room, like, I wasn't gonna, like, go wake my teammates up, or go talk to them, like, or go do anything, like, you know, I was just in my room, in my bed, like, I found out, it was, like, well, like, I'm by myself, like, and I'm not really, like, I'm affectionate but I'm not like crazy type person but like it would have been better for me probably if I had somebody I was able to like obviously I can hop on the phone but like somebody that you're in person with in contact with it and somebody that you have a close relationship that knows you like more on a deeper level than just your teammates so that was definitely tough for sure but like dealing with that I mean you just have to try to talk to people when you can like you have to try to stay on the phone you know stay in contact and don't let yourself get too isolated from people like you have to you have to put forth the effort cuz it'll be easy like if you didn't really try like it'll be easy to just say well forget it like you don't really have anybody to talk to but you definitely have to put forth effort and time into you know making sure you keep in contact with people so you don't get too far off i see so many pro athletes now just really
1: being courageous in in that vein and you know the Kevin loves of the world and Kayla McBride now, and even one of your teammates, um, Katie Lou, Katie Lou had, had really talked a little bit about having some mental health struggles. What are your thoughts on that? I mean, athletes kind of talking about that and helping to destigmatize some of this, like ask for help piece. Cause man, like you're, you're tough and you're a strong person, but you're also saying, Hey, sometimes I do need to ask for help.
0: Yeah. I mean, just making like, it's really cool that they did that. Cause it just makes people, more comfortable to talk about it or like it could be normal, like that probably was sent in group messages and people probably like if you need somebody to talk to like That starts a conversation and just knowing that, you know, professional athletes that are known and that are really good are talking about this and saying they've had these situations and they've talked to people it may seem like, well, if they can talk to somebody or if they can feel like this, then it's okay if I do and I can talk to somebody and like it's it's normal. Like it really just needs to be more normalized because it's bound to happen. Like it doesn't matter if like I just saw a story about delante West. Like he had everything. He was an NBA. You know he had millions and millions and millions, and mental illness still found him. Like it doesn't matter if you're poor. It doesn't matter if you're rich. Like it happens to everybody. So everybody should feel comfortable to talk about it because it's not like oh well it chose you because you didn't have a lot going on. No, what's happening to people with millions and they're losing everything too. Like it happens all around so people just need to be feel more comfortable and not feel ashamed about it
1: yeah you're so right you're so spot on with that you know Enrique, i think another thing i imagine you have to deal with but i don't know so again i'm throwing daisies in the wind here do you get a lot of negativity from people on social media like people trolling oh, yeah. you or
0: anything mm-hmm. oh yeah i get negativity all the time do you and, like ever since that na- like people didn't care before the national championships last so Now. Everybody has an opinion about me. It's actually crazy. But uh yeah, like that's just something you have to get used to. Like, I'm not saying I don't see it and don't read it. And like, sometimes I'll feel away more than other times, but all times I know that I still am one of the best players on the court. So I'm always going to have that confidence in myself, whether you don't like me, whether they don't like, whether he doesn't like me, anybody. Like, first of all, I'm, I'm still going to get the same paycheck. So you guys, <laughs> people hating me, it's not going to mean anything to me. Like, that's fine if you feel like that. Like, And then me personally, I'm always going to go out there and play exactly how I play. Like, whatever anybody has to say to me, I have confidence in myself. My team trusts me. My coach trusts me. And that's really all that matters to me and what my close, you know, family and friends think of me. Like, obviously, if I needed to change and my coach told me I needed to change, I would change. But outside people, they have nothing to do with what I'm trying to do or what my team is trying to do. So I only keep, you know, people who have to give me advice, criticism, the circle of my team, my family, my friends, and whatever... Anybody on the outside of that circle, it doesn't really, you know, phase me because they they know nothing. They're not, you know, involved in my everyday life. So I don't really take that too hard.
1: Yeah, that's the right answer. And there's wisdom in that for for a 23 year old. I'm glad you have that wisdom to understand and appreciate those, those who matter and whose opinions matter and those who don't. But that brings me to another point where I think a lot of athletes get really, really stuck in worrying about other people's opinions and maybe the ones that do matter, the coach, the parent, the, do you, do you have issues with that yourself where I think usually an athlete's greatest fear is letting other people down. Does that live somewhere inside of you? Or is that something you feel like you're pretty
0: squared away with? I think I'm so hard on myself that I can't even, let myself get to the phase i'll let everybody else down because i already let myself down that really already breaks me to pieces like because i have so much <laughs> expectation for myself like that's hard but obviously it's hard you know letting down family members and friends but like if when it comes to basketball essentially you're not letting anybody down like it's a it's a game like this is not life you're not letting anybody down like you lose a game yes like i lost the national championship that's the highest you can reach in College basketball, but did I die? Like, I'm still playing basketball. I still would have had another game. I still played two full seasons. Like, life still goes on. And that's my biggest thing. Like, life happens. And even with the national championship, like, that was hard. Like, that was one of the hardest moments. But, like, a day later, I had to get on flight and have another great moment of me getting drafted. Like, so life happens so fast. You can't really, like, obviously, yes, you need to ponder on things, but something great is going to come your way. And, like, if it's the right people around you, like your family and friends, they're not going to say, you let me down. Like, they obviously love you, you might have had a bad game, you might have did that, but when it comes to basketball, I don't think, like personally, you're not letting anybody down. You can feel away about something, but as time goes on, it's just a really, really small moment in your life that essentially at the end of the day doesn't really matter because you're gonna keep doing what you love. So you just gotta be able to think of it like that, like sulk about it for a little bit, but then realize that life goes on and you're gonna have another opportunity to do something. So just focus on that.
1: That's powerful. And that's optimism there again, Erika, which no. is like, I guess I am very optimistic. You are. <laughs> I'm going to tell you something. Nobody who's at the level that you are is, I have yet to meet someone at the level you are, who is not optimistic at their core. I guess that's true. Right. I, I really have not. You, that's you know, true. You, you would be the first, yeah. you know, but you're not, you're yeah, exactly. But that's optimism, which I think is at the heart of resilience is, which is what you're talking about. It's like, you see setbacks as temporary. You see other opportunities around the corner and you seem to have like a really healthy perspective, which is like, hey, like we lost a national championship. Did I die? No, I'm still here. And you have this. It's really well curated perspective. Is that for mom and dad? Like how how did you develop that over time?
0: I mean, it's just. I, I'm really probably from how I was raised, like I would probably cry about something and I have to get <laughs> over it, especially with my brothers, like, yes. but I just like, and I'm not saying I don't soak cause like, obviously I was really mad about stuff, like really in my feelings about stuff. But then like, if I were to stay mad, then I would probably miss the next game winning shot that I try to make, because I don't think I have the confidence from the last time. Like, if you don't learn to, like, I just was like, okay, well, then I have to be better. Like, I have to do better. Like, once you get over that little period of being upset, like, take your time. But I wouldn't make it too long. But once you get over that period, it's like, now, what can I do to be better? What can I do to hit that shot next time? What can I do to do this? Because there's, there's always stuff you need to change. Like, I'm still evolving my game. Obviously, I still will be. I'm only in year two. But, like, every every summer, every whenever I had a break, I tried to add something so that I can be better. Because everybody's always gonna try to get better. So you need to try to do that too. So definitely just focusing on the future. That's just something that like, as I've been younger and as I got older, that, you know, life keeps going on, especially all the basketball I played, like I had to learn how to get over stuff quick. Mm-hmm. That, and that's very Kobe-esque too, this idea of always
1: wanting to get better and never being satisfied. And like, I wanted to do something kind of fun with you at the end, um, you know, cause we talked about the swagger uh, piece. Like if there is, if you're number one, which I'm calling you number one, you don't have to call yourself. Who's like number two in the league in swagger, like on the all swagger team.
0: I have to give it to Courtney Williams.
1: Mm. Mm-hmm.
0: She has so much confidence in herself. You can't tell her anything.
1: She a trash talker. Oh, yeah.
0: But then it's all love at the end of the game. Like, right, right. like I met her, well, I didn't meet her. Like I never was really cool with her until we went overseas and like, we we're in Turkey and like Americans are best friends overseas. So like we went out and I was like, Oh, she's real cool. Like we became really cool. But like, she's like, she's just, she just has a lot of confidence in herself. She's on trash talk, but it doesn't mean anything at the end of the day. Like it is what it is. It's just basketball, but she's really confident in herself. So I'll give it to her.
1: Well, who would you pick as a partner for a two-on-two to bring into like these settings you're talking about in Wisconsin, where it's like, you know, we're going to get beat up
0: i would say christine but christine is too scary she would go out there and be scared and i'll tell her that i'll be like well christine just you know but i'll say christine maybe she'll get her act together she's physical she's i mean she's she physical. Is physical she I is would physical. love
1: to see her dunk on a grown man
0: i know i would too and she can dunk so easy i don't know why she does it more often i'm like you need to dunk on a fast break
1: oh my god. I mean, so I I told you too that I ordered one of your shirts. Oh yeah. Talk about that, like your clothing <laughs> yeah. line. I see like the WBS shirt in that. You see it? Yeah. I love that hoodie. No, yeah, I love it too. Actually. You're into this clothing line now, and like, talk about that because I feel like that's something people should know.
0: Yeah, well, that's just now getting started. But like, obviously, I've always been like, you see, from the stuff that I post, like, I, I like clothes and stuff, so like. This is definitely a starting point for something that I want to try to build as I get older because this is something that I guess I would say I'm pretty passionate about. So I'm excited for what's to bring with that one. Yeah, what's life after basketball for you? What does it look like? Who knows? Like, Hopefully I have a pretty long career, but honestly, who knows? I really don't even know the answer to that one. Look, Arike, I don't know what else I got for you.
1: Do you have any- You <laughs> all aspects of Arike. <laughs> I we, we got like a pretty good view and I'm so sensitive to your time too. Cause I'm, I'm so grateful that you are so gracious with it, but is there anything else that you feel like a message or anything you would, you would say around, you know, just like the, that my podcast is called the inside game, but any advice you would give to, to people trying to really work on that, that piece?
0: I would just say like for sports players, it just like you know perfecting and getting to be like as comfortable you know as comfortable as you can with who you are and how you are as a sports player it starts like in the gym like really just reps and reps and reps and like you and a trainer or you and yourself like you don't need a lot of people around like just working out with yourself or in a small knit place just trying to get better without cameras without anything like just actually focusing on that like That's just how you can build, you know, be the greatest player you are and just Making sure you're still happy in the process. Like, don't let it stress yourself out because I never let myself get to the point where I was stressed out about basketball because then I'm not having fun with it. And My goal is to always have fun with something I love to do so Not get too stressed out about it. Like if it gets like that, take a break and then get back at it. Like I finished season. I've been taking a break for like a week and a half and Now I'm starting to miss it. If I worked out right away. I wouldn't have missed it. So definitely let yourself miss it if you get to a point where you feel like it's a lot but just you know try to get better on your mental and in the, in the court or in the gym wherever you, whatever sport you play and just you know focus on that so that once you get to the game and you get in those situations you'll have you know confidence because you're ready for it
1: that is awesome that's really well put where can people follow you do you want people to follow you <laughs> yeah of
0: course um arike i think it's arike underscore ogumbo on. Instagram and Arike underscore O on Twitter.
1: Awesome. Well, Arike, thank you so much again for your time and wishing you the best overseas. Is that coming up soon for That's you? It's coming up next week, just about. So oh should my be fun. God. I, I think there's a lot of wisdom in the things you shared today and I'm so grateful for you. Thank you. Thank you.
0: I appreciate it. All right. See ya.
1: Okay, so thanks for listening to the podcast. Here's a quick breakdown of Enrique's inside game as I see it. Number one, confidence comes from within, and it starts by getting lots of reps in the gym and working on your craft. Number two, the way to get over setbacks or micro failures is to sulk about it briefly and then focus on the next thing in your control. Stay optimistic, knowing setbacks are temporary and good things are around the corner. Number three, basketball is a game. It is not who you are keeping perspective is important. Have fun. Number four, worry most about your inner circle, not the opinions of others. Number five, reach out to others if you're struggling. Thank you so much, Enrique, for these insights, and I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Thank you for listening to The Inside Game. Please remember to like, subscribe, and comment to support the podcast.